Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutcher joining me. Greg, what's going on, dude? It's Christmas time. I'm fired up, man. Ho, ho, ho. Love these Christmas episodes. Yeah, and uh, this one is going to be our These Go to 11 pop culture ninja crossover. So we have Nathan Bartleball joining us. Nathan, what's going on, dude? Hey, everyone. Merry pre-Christmas. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Or Merry Post-Christmas if you're listening uh, late. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. 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 Of course, I, I don't know. I was shocked Happy last life year. Day. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Number of people last year, I remember thinking, oh, once Christmas is done, who's listening to a Christmas episode January yeah. 15th? But several people did. So, yeah, several went back because – You never know when you're like, I need an Evil Santa movie. Where am I going to go? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Dude, uh, that that's actually really funny because uh, you know we talked about um, we just kind of ran through a bunch of different Christmas movies last year with you, Nathan. This year we're actually a little more focused. We're going to talk about themed Emphasis Christmas on a music. little, a little. Yes, dude, we're never really focused here. It's all an illusion. Yes, of course. <laughs> that's why we have guests on here. It's to keep Greg and I semi-focused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. Um, although we did have Nathan on here, so I don't know how focused we're going to be with, with uh, the three of us. I know, man. We'll try. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, just before we get into this, um, let's just kind of go around. Uh, start with you, Nathan. Um, and real quick, just a couple minutes, tell us what movies really kind of get you into the Christmas spirit. Mm. What are What are those movies that – Hey, once a year, I got to bust this out and watch it just because it's it's tradition. And it's tricky because last year we talked about a lot of stuff. We did. Yes. Like, in retrospect, I went back to listen to that episode today earlier to make sure we didn't cross over anything. I'm like, wow, the, we we really covered the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. And I I think with me with the holidays, I sort of vacillate between the really cheesy sentimental stuff that I probably wouldn't really indulge in any other time of the year. Mm -hmm. I think last time it was like, is Scrooge my favorite movie or is it, it's a wonderful life. And I thinking about it again this year, I'm kind of still a toss up. I love both of those movies. And, but to me, I also really like, I kind of can go towards the bah humbug movies a Uh bit. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like the, we talked about the evil Santa movies. I think we mentioned last year, rare exports, a Scrooge. I love Scrooge. Yes. Uh, that we got a couple that movies that have released, that were releasing last year when we were doing this podcast that have probably slipped their way onto that favorites list, which, which you can get to uh, a movie. I completely forgot to mention last year and I'll mention it now. Gremlins. I yes. love oh, yeah. gremlins. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it is one of those Christmas movies that I feel like it is unabashedly a Christmas movie. Yep. It's unabashedly sort of making fun of the consumer aspect of Christmas. Yes. Yep. And yet you can pretty much watch it any time of the year. Agree. Yeah. And I'm willing to admit that I, ha- that my son and I have watched Kremlin. <laughs> yeah. And, man. Uh, it's a, it's a bit milder than I remember. I remember being one of the first PG 13s. And I think it's like, if you really want to, it's, it's definitely on the milder scale, but it is a lot of fun. Oh yeah. 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 And actually we are going to get, um, get into gremlins because that is one that we've got on the list this time. Um, but before we that do should that, be your theme music, that's right. Yeah. Good call. Greg. Yeah, man. I, uh, didn't listen, but it wasn't, you know, too long ago. It was two years ago. It'd be shot. I remember you're right, Nathan. We covered an enormous amount of ground last year. See, we didn't know the podcast would be this successful and keep going. I know. So we, we had to cover every movie. That's ever been made. Greg and I uh, were thinking this was going to yeah. <laughs> It's like our only Christmas movie episode ever. Um, you got to remember, we might be around next year. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So we we got to be careful not to uh, to shoot out the whole arsenal. Uh, for me, uh, movies that get us into the, the mood uh, for Christmas, uh, I think we talked last year a little bit about Elf. Yeah, uh, but so I won't say too much on that, uh, other than to say that's one of my favorite first ones to put in there. Mm-hmm. But probably, and uh, Mr. Bartleball, re- uh, you can remind me since you did listen to it. Did I mention planes, trains, and automobiles last year? You didn't, but that's a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, so we—that's what we mm-hmm. normally do. Elf normally comes maybe second or third. Yep. Okay. Uh, we normally play uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Yep. Kind of, you know, usually Friday, Saturday, you know, maybe Sunday afternoon. Planes, trains, and automobiles, and, and that's I, a wonderful, wonderful movie. What, what a tremendous! What uh, it was, those aren't pillows, buddy. Yeah, those aren't <laughs> pillows. We'd have better luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks and trying to get out of O'Hare. Um, 
but what a the great movie. Uh, it was so and John Candy it just was tremendous. It's hard to believe he's been gone so long. Uh, he yeah. was so talented. Ninety four, right? Ninety four, yeah, yeah ninety three, ninety four. It yeah. was it was right around the time Lisa and I were engaged or married. And I remember I told Lisa I'm kind of devastated because she knew how much of a John Candy fan I was. But what, I wrote a letter to him in sixth grade, and I still have it, the response somewhere. No way. Nice. Yeah. No way, because he's a Canadian dude, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, Canadian Bacon was one of his last movies. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But he was um, he was so good, and I love uh, Martin as a straight man in that. I will say for parents, it's, it's a great mood setter. They just really capture the kind of Thanksgiving going into the holiday mm-hmm. uh, uh, mood. And, um, you know, it's kind of gray. It has that kind of wintry, early wintry feel to it. But uh, what I just do with my little kids, because they watch it, there are a few things in there. Obviously, the one scene where he drops about 37 <laughs> F-bombs. Which, I know, which is spectacular meltdown. Yes, yes. To that woman who I think of as Herb Tarlick's wife from WKRP in Cincinnati, whoever ah, that uh, <laughs> whoever that actress is. Who sort of plays, okay, sir, okay, great, great. Um, the, the perfect typecast actress to annoy somebody in a stressful situation. So, But because of that – uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think that's the only time that word is used. So it's kind of easy. We normally skip it, like on a DVD. We'll mm-hmm. just press forward, you know, uh, you know, kind of the the skipping scenes, yep. or I'll mute it, or both, because I don't want them catching that. Right. My older kids know what what's happening. <laughs> the younger kids, we say, "Oh, guys, this is a scene." There are some words that we don't like. We don't want you guys to hear. And uh, that's one of those know. things due to Martin's facial expressions. That could have been a silent movie, and it was still got. It, it, I mean, it would have quite the same impact. To be fair, there are. There are very few movies. I don't condone the use of that word, but it's used effectively. I, I would <laughs> totally agree, dude. It is used effectively. So that, uh, for me, gets us. And what about you there, Mr. Bell? Yeah, I uh, I, I think I said um, said this last year, but um, White Christmas yeah. is just – Joy and I got into it late in the game. We were in college, and it became one of our favorite movies. So we yes. will – we will watch it, no lie, at least six or seven times during the holiday season. Wow. It's a great movie to just put in. Joy's grading papers, um, and she can't focus on something new yep. or something she hasn't seen much of. So it's like, hey, what do you want to watch, babe? Uh, let's put in White Christmas. It's about a two-hour yep. movie, and she can just – The plot is not demanding. No, exactly. No, say, it's not. It's, it's simple, a yep. little campy, but yeah. Yeah, it's, but you know, it's it's got fun music going on in the background. Christmassy. and um just, just one that we love, and then um, for uh, for you, Greg, one that we typically will start with uh, around the Thanksgiving season is Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Oh, sure, yeah, of that course. will be, uh, yep, yeah, that will be one of our Thanksgiving movies that we uh, that we old start or new. With. Uh, for me, it's the new one. Uh-huh. Um, Joy can go either way. She really yeah. loves. I like them both. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She really she loves both of them. She can go either way. Um, I just something in the newer one. I really, uh, I really love, and and I think it's probably because when I was younger, I saw the newer one first. Okay, sure. Um, and then and then went back and saw the older one. What's so. that actor's? Name? I think him as the Jurassic My, Park. Guy. Oh, uh, Richard Attenborough. Yes. Attenborough, right? right. Yeah, who has passed away? Right? He has. Yes. Right. yes. Yep. Right. Yep. So, and, and I'll throw one last on there. I, just thought about them. My family's really embraced the Polar Express. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a big yeah. – that's very popular here. For yes. uh, As Nathan knows, for obvious reasons. My yes. Thing, but my kid's a train <laughs> fanatic. So. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man, if you're a train fanatic, I mean that thing is tailor-made. Not just a fanatic. The dude's – like the little dude's an aficionado on him too. Wow. Like He is. <laughs> he is. It's amazing. That's a, that's its own podcast. I think yeah. we're going to have – I did a – I did a recording with him recently where we pretended we were on a train and added sound effects and everything. <laughs> and he sat there and listened to the whole. He's he'll watch like a PBS documentary just to see trains. Nice. That is awesome. That's awesome. That is so cool. Um, so yeah, you know, great mood starter and and setting us up for what we're going to be doing. So today we want to talk about um, as you said, Greg, and you said Nathan. We just kind of threw a ton of movies against the wall. Yeah. Last yes, year and just did. went through them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this year's like scraping the barrel. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're going to be bringing up movies that actually don't even exist and just hope, hope our audience doesn't fact check us. Next year, this will be released. Yeah. 
a very – yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but we've, we've kind of pared it down a, uh, a little more. And I think one of the things about last year is while we were throwing a ton of movies against the wall – um, we weren't really going into too terrible depth on them and really discussing them and bringing them out. It was right. just kind of throwing them out, each of us, you know, quick little blurb on our opinions and then moving on. Um, this year, we've divided them into genres. Yeah. So we're going to take and we're going to start first with the Christmas horror genre. Um, and Nathan, you brought up Gremlins yeah. first. Let's go ahead and let's uh, let's wrap on that one for a little bit. What year did that come out, Nathan? 1984. 84. Okay. Yeah. And, and Nathan and I talked about this when we were over the summer, we did a big Spielberg retrospective Mm -hmm. and gremlins was a movie that Spielberg was kind of circling for years and always kind of intended to direct himself. I think at various points, it had a script that originally was like these little monsters terrorizing people in a house. Aliens were terrorizing people in a house and it actually split in two. It became ET and then he kind of kept the rest around for a while and it turned into gremlins. And the guy he got to direct it was Joe Dante, who had done a couple of yeah. smaller horror movies. Uh, at that time, Piranha and mm. The Howling. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't really uh, – I've seen both of them and they were interesting, but they don't really stand in my mind. But Mo- Dante, I think, is a really fun filmmaker. He did Inner Space, The Burbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's done Gremlins. He's done a ton of different movies that – kind of appeal to my sensibilities that kind of it's almost like a satirical take on 1980s and the suburbs and yes, things like that yeah gremlins is almost kind of like a mockery of a spielberg movie in a way i know you what know you mean. Yeah. like where you watch some of the stuff that's going on in that movie and it's not it, it like tries to have that warm norman rockwell feel with the nice picturesque town but the horrible things are happening in it like mm-hmm. the gremlins hanging his dog in the christmas light <laughs> yes yes and mrs deagle who's making fun of the little kid the little poor child with pneumonia as she yes. walks into the, the store uh there's just a lot and then of course the whole plot is little monsters tear out you know there's a point when they look out the window and just see the the gremlins are tearing santa claus to pieces right right like a, a street santa claus yeah, that's true. You know, it's interesting, Nathan, because the movie to me had the feel, uh, and I've not watched that in a long time. I've not introduced my kids to Gremlins, so that actually mm. makes me want to um, uh, want to do that. But the uh, the one the aspect of the movie that I remember was it was a better done and almost uh, because you're right, they they kind of mix the cute, fluffy with kind of the vile, nasty. But not in an over the top what I would think of Chucky way, you know. No, where, it's a gentle movie. It's a gentler movie than you probably even remember. Yeah, uh, because I always think of the scene with the, the, the them sprouting out of the Christmas tree or the putting him in the microwave. Yes, things like that. Yeah, yes, or less. My kids are like, hey, you know, you made a bigger mess in the microwave when you left the top off right. the chili. <laughs> so. Yes, yes, that's true. And it's, um, yeah, I, it's been a long time. I may not have seen that uh, for 20 plus years, to be honest, uh, yeah. uh, Nathan. So um, you're obviously fresher with it. But it was, isn't there a, uh, almost one of the gremlins, though, is sort of the demonic leader? Do I, do I have that right? Stripe, yeah. Yeah, He's got Stripe. a white stripe going down his yes. head like a mohawk. And I remember that even, I saw that when I was about 14, if it came out in 84. And I remember thinking, man, that's kind of freaky, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it the... It get a little freaky. They're definitely, I mean, they're little monsters. They're yes. creepy monsters. Yes, because the main but, gremlin, the cute one, whatever that was. Gizmo. Which, Gizmo. Gizmo. Talk about a... Talk about a bait and switch. You know, my, yeah. my little daughter's like, oh, Gizmo, and he's singing, and he's happy and chirpy. And then you're like, well, you, you can't watch the second half of this movie. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> and then be yeah. afraid to get a puppy. What happens when we get it wet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what comes out of its back, Daddy? Exactly. Yeah. True. Uh, that is hysterical. I'm not going to comment a ton on this because uh, it, it has been, I think, Probably the last time I saw this movie was back in 1990 or 92, and something like that. This, this sounds like a like a these go to eleven movie night. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to. I think we're gonna we'll have, have to eat to, some uh, chicken wings after midnight. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think so, man. I think so. That's awesome. Uh, one of the movies that we talked about last year uh, that wasn't out at the time, we brought it up. It was one that you were gonna go see, Nathan, um, because of what you were doing with um, the the screen critics and all that stuff. But Krampus. Oh, yeah. Since then, you have seen it. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. Well, Krampus was one. I, I shelled out money for that one. <laughs> the screen critics <laughs> didn't give me any. They weren't putting that one in front of me. Gotcha. Uh, so Krampus, I think what's interesting is when it came out, people were kind of touting it already as another sort of gremlins because it was a PG-13 horror movie, Christmas themed. And it was kind of being touted as a kid's horror movie in a sense. I think that might be a little too much because I'd say between Krampus and Gremlins, I'm 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 not be comfortable showing Krampus to my kids at this point. Yeah. Uh, mostly because there is a, a darker element to it. Have either one of you seen it? I saw it. I did not see I it. I saw you, it. Um, you have seen it. It was weird because I remember that's a weird movie. The problem with those Christmas movies is when they, again it's like what we just said about do people listen after Christmas? It it came out like on uh, on demand DVD. I don't know March April. Summer, right. You know, yeah, or, it was like, it was like July. Like, Ooh, yeah, you're July. right. You're right. It was later. Cause Actually, I, I think April because I someone gave it to me as a as a birthday present. Yeah, so it was probably around April. You're probably right. I was flipping through one night. I remember it was warmer and it uh, may have been out for several weeks at that point. It's one of those nights Lisa turned in early, and I thought she'll never watch Krampus, and I did watch it. And, uh, yeah, I remember thinking it uh, it, it had some power because you had Tony Collette in it, right, who is uh, – Yeah, what – I was surprised by it when I saw it because I actually – I really kind of enjoyed it. Uh-huh. And I thought there was a little bit of – I don't want to say substance, but there was something going on there. Like I felt like, hey, this can hold its own with some stuff that's come out. I mean yeah. it definitely felt like it was going – it really pushed towards that trying to feel like an 80s horror movie with a lot of little monsters. It did. And a lot of creatures and special effects. Uh, but to me, I think what happens is they tapped into just the right vein. That that visiting family, I yeah. can't think of the actor's name. but uh, the, the, uh, the, the guy the bald, with the uh, – oh, no, you're talking about uh, – the, the bald guy who comes in with the giant truck and the, yes. and the like elephant guns in the back yes. of it. But, he, but he's having a hard time, you know – Paying his mortgage, right? <laughs> and he, right. And he comes in with his wife and his two children, and he's trying to dress like uh, boys, even though they're girls. Yeah. And I'm like, they they know my family. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they they yeah. bring the drunken analog who's over, yes. you know, with the schnapps and everything. And there was a malaise about it. I thought the first five minutes of Krampus, they basically show this montage of department store madness yes of, of just how everyone in christmas has just lost their ever-loving minds agreed and i uh, and it's set to bing crosby's uh is it the most wonderful time of the year i think so it was and you're seeing yeah. people getting tased yes that's right it was Black Friday line. violent <laughs> and uh yes. and and stampede like um so it, yeah it starts with that like it already gets you on that kind of edgy nervy a dark element of Christmas, and it becomes a movie about a bunch of family members who are together who don't want to be together, yeah. and they've lost the Christmas spirit, and then Krampus shows up to kind of re-educate them in a sense, Yes, uh, and you have a lot of really creepy, kind of dark scenes, and it's another one of those movies that feels imbalanced. You're like, this is what you get for not believing in Christmas? Right, seems a, right. Seems a tad steep. <laughs> seems uh, a little intense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think what I liked the movie. I thought it was fun. I would say that there's a weird litmus test at this because with any of these movies, you kind of have to have that cynical Christmas spirit in you just a little bit. But Krampus almost makes you need to have both. You need to have the optimistic, happy part and the cynical part. But if you want to know which kind of Christmas person you are, and I'm not going to spoil it here, but ask somebody what they thought the ending meant. Ah, good. Uh, Because I was with probably the most cynical horror fans I know, and he and I both came away with a much more – Compared to what other people told me, an upbeat version of the ending. And I'd, yeah. I'd be curious to hear, Greg, maybe I'll hear what you thought about it. But it's a good litmus test. I think there's there's a couple of ways to read it. I would agree. It's hard to talk about it without giving away the ending. But it was a um, – well, I think to me uh, – I think this is safe to say without giving away for people that might want to see it. One, just, just to back up, you're right. It starts with that kind of obvious commentary – where you know it's like when somebody holds up a mirror to your culture and you're like, oh man, we're, <laughs> this is what it looks like. We're awful. No wonder why the world hates us in, in some ways. You know, I don't want to uh, be uh, be an American hater, but there's that sense in which, oh, the self indulgent, nasty materialism, which you kind of sense. Okay, I, you know, you, you know, in the first few minutes, the judgment is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it came in very uh, interesting ways, and I think that the um, well, I don't want to give it away, but the 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 grandmother becomes a very important interpreter to that story, if you remember. Her backstory, which was told through sort of a puppety like animation, yes, was very very stark and beautiful and kind of moving. It and was. It, it felt 
very weird. Like it almost belonged in a different movie. It did in a, in a way. It it but did. I, yeah. Because that's where you get into this idea that the Krampus is really in a weird sense. He's trying to prevent the death of hope, which is right. a different kind of concept than just you know believe in Santa. Yes. Yes, I would agree. What? What did you think overall about the movie, Greg? Did you uh, like it? Did you not like it? I liked it. I mean, I, I uh, it was a little different than I thought. I thought it was going to be – but I liked it because the movie made me think more. I thought it was going to be a little more traditional horror. Uh, it certainly had those elements. I mean, I will say, dude – I mean, they gave some of this away in the previews. But when the girl's like hiding under the car um, and they show the sort of silhouetted shadowy Krampus – Leaping from rooftop to rooftop. Oh, that, that was neat. Dude, some of those things were like, this is genuinely creepy. Oh, there is a – and I won't get it too much. There's a point when they've got this jack-in-the-box thing. Yeah, That is like pure nightmare fuel. Th- that, and there's one point when some of Santa's other helpers show up and he looks up in joy and claps his hand. Yes. The jack-in-the-box. I was like, oh, that's stuck in my brain. Forever. I know. That's I, not leaving. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, it was – I liked it. I thought it was uh, – I, I never felt bored. There was never a point in the movie I thought, okay, here's the uh, – Here's the 10 minute, 15 minute dull patch. Um, and again, the, the backstory with the grandmother, I totally agree. It almost felt like this is weird. This is a different, like, uh, in other words, they surprised me. I expect, I mean, you could have easily made her character very cliche, um, kind of one dimensional. They always put a grandmother in there that sort of, you know, spins wisdom uh, for the greater family. But it was, she did some of that, but uh, because she was so personally connected, from her own childhood history, it was eerie to me. And, um, and I don't, a lot of hard, yeah. yeah, a lot of horror movies get that element. I think it's safe to say that in this movie, being a, it, it's a PG thirteen, but it doesn't really play it safe. Yeah, but it it has those elements too, where you examine well, what does it mean to sort of be a be a family, even when the family doesn't get itself together. You know, yes. I think what's interesting in this movie is the family has to start going to bat for each other well before anybody's repented. You know, yes. we still have to love each other while we're jerks. Yeah, which exactly. uh, isn't isn't the plot of most movies. I thought, and that's what makes the when you look at the ending. I think you have to examine what is the purpose of Krampus. Is he really there like a saw character just to mess with people, yeah. or does he have a purpose? Is yes. he being utilized in the grander scheme? I liked it. I, I plan to watch it again this year. I think it has that easy watching kind of feel to it. Agreed. Agreed. Well said. Very cool. Um, so, spent a little bit of time here. Uh, only talked about two movies this time, so let's jump into um, Christmas comedies. Mm-hmm. Christmas comedies. Um and want to start off with the ref, uh, because that's actually one that I remember seeing <laughs> when I was younger. Um, I'm adding it to my list, dude. Never seen it. Dennis Leary, uh, go ahead and uh, talk to us about that one, Nathan. So, you know, we talked about how Krampus is kind of withering, and so far we, we're going to have to get to some happy movies if we right, if we yeah, run this yeah. thing too long. It's going to be the most dour Christmas yeah. uh, podcast. But if you thought Gremlins and Krampus are kind of withering. The ref is really, uh, really sharp in its tone towards Christmas and holidays and and that family uh, dysfunction. Dennis Leary, and I think this this story takes place in Connecticut. Dennis Leary is a like cat burglar, basically, who he's got a a buddy he's working with and he's breaking into houses and he's going to he's going to get off this area where they're at and, and get on the houseboat and, and, and drive away. Uh, his friend's going to get him out of there. But he gets stuck. A bunch of bad things happen to him. He's all messed up, and he needs to have a rendezvous point. So he runs into a house and essentially ends up taking this bickering couple who are played <laughs> by, I, I want to say, Judy Davis and Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Oh. I know Kevin Spacey is the is the patriarch here. Yeah. It's just the two of them. They're on the, they've got a son who's away at military school, I think. And they're on the verge of divorce. I mean, they are divorcing. Their marriage is just a pile of ashes. Hmm. Uh, and there's that moment where, hey, it could we could restore this, but no one seems to be willing to do so. He takes them hostage. His plan is just wait the night out, hang out, wait till this guy comes. He doesn't want to harm anyone. He just wants to get out of there. Then he, they tell him, well, you know what? It's too late. Our whole family's about to show up here for dinner, and you don't want to meet these people. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When, but he so he basically says, well, how bad can it be? We'll just have them come in and they'll go back out. And he basically the, – the two themselves can't stop bickering. So he's almost becoming their marriage counselor while they're – and then when the rest of them show up, he's basically finds himself stuck in the scenario of trying to stage manage 
the most vile familial interactions you'll ever see between people. Huh. Uh, one of the lines, and, and, and it basically it just ends up this almost confessional dinner where every family member stands up and then throws throws their venom down and throws their accusations about how the other members have ruined their lives. <laughs> it becomes this kind of weird, twisted Last Supper sort of thing going on. There's a line that Kevin Spacey says to the the mother who is sort of, you realize, kind of gloating over all these people. He says, next year, I'm going to buy you a cross so you can climb up there and nail yourself. Oh. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. Uh, I, believe, I believe there's a line in there, too, that says, hurry, grandma's eating through her gag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when was this movie made, Nathan? 1994. 94. It was directed by uh, Jonathan Demme's brother, Ted Demme, who, sadly, he's passed away since then. Uh, okay. Ted Demme, I believe, is another movie he had done was Reality Bites. Oh, yeah, sure, uh, sure, of course. So this was, his, this was a movie, 94. It came out – it was another movie that was released – it was probably those things they're holding on to. They didn't release it, I don't believe, in a a uh, winter time frame. I could be wrong about this, but I thought it was released maybe in March or something. Yeah, or maybe that March it was released 9th. on. Yeah. Yep. So it was, which was kind of a shame. But I think now you know people are into these movies like Bad Santa, and they're more ready to revel in that kind of mm-hmm. like more acerbic. And I think the ref was just maybe ahead of its time. It's it's not a movie for the family. It's an R-rated film, yeah. and it's definitely got some real venom to it. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I, I remember I, I probably – well, I definitely saw this movie uh, younger than I probably should have um, <laughs> as, as was a lot of movies growing up. But I remember really um, enjoying it. Um, you know, even for seeing it as a younger person, really, you know, I, I could understand and comprehend the comedy within the dysfunction that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the movie. Dennis, as you said, you know, the movies are for language. Dennis Leary is a very colorful comedian. Yeah. uh, yeah, I was going (laughs) to ask, I've rarely seen Dennis Leary where, um, he's sort of within the uh, confines of primetime language regulation, but uh, I think you've got the sandlot and that's it. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. But what's interesting, you do have, this is definitely Leary and his unhinged sardonic, you know, very acerbic uh, state, yeah. but he's restrained compared to some of these people yes. who, who come up. Christine Baranski's in the movie too. Oh, sure. Uh, who, there's a couple of good lines. A kid says, oh, what are we doing here? And she says, celebrating the birth of Christ as she punches him yeah. in the arm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the grandmother asked her, who do you think you are? And she goes, slipper socks, size yeah. nine. <laughs> That's great. I missed that one completely, man. I've got I've to. i put it uh, on your list. It's yes. A, not a with the kids, but if you're looking for that, if you're when you get fed up with the Christmas rat race, go find them ref. Yes, yeah. yes. Did we? Uh, can I insert one here, Nathan? Because yeah. uh, uh, unless we talked about it last year, did we talk about four Christmases last year? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Did you guys see that one? I have seen it. Yeah. I yeah. See that I mean, one. it was. It's. Yeah, I don't know what you thought, Nathan. I thought it was very simple, but I, it gave me a few laughs. Um, I especially like the scene. Where Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon go to, um, I guess it's Vince's mother's house. So the whole, you know, of course, the whole premise is this couple is materialistic. They want nothing to do with their dysfunctional families. Both parents have divorced, I think, uh, and have remarried other partners. So if they did Christmas, they'd have to do four Christmases to cover, you know, all of their their parents' arrangements and. Um, yeah, through a series of bizarre circumstances, they're stuck. They can't get away to their tropical destination, and they have to go. But do you remember the scene, uh, Nathan, when they go to? I think Sissy Spacek plays Vince Vaughn's mother. Is and she the one that's married to uh, his Robert best friend? Duvall? No, oh, no, um, no, no, okay. Rob, isn't Duvall in that movie too? He's one of the parents, isn't he? Yeah, Duvall is his natural father. Sissy oh, okay, Spacek, right. I think it was Sissy Spacek, is his natural mother. But oh, she, that's right, and she's yes, she's yes. like hooked up or married in some capacity. She's something with uh, <laughs> with his best friend from childhood, and it's super awkward. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I love scenes where they capture the awkwardness, and I guess he hasn't told Reese Witherspoon any of this stuff, or he hasn't told her much. And um, you know, he's just the same age as Vince Vaughn. He's like, "Hey, how you kids doing, man? Can I um, 
can I get you anything? I mean, do you guys need any money for gas? <laughs> yeah. And he hands it. Vince Vaughn goes, no, I, I don't need any money for gas. I, I make three times as much as you do. <laughs> and then he says something like, man, this hostility. goes, well, you know, you know we, we used to be best friends, Jim. We, we grew up together. We hung out together. We would, you know, we would do sleepovers together. We would hang out. And then, I don't know, you grew up and you started dating my mom, which kind of just made me to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> there were just a couple of moments I thought, that is funny. Uh-huh. Because um, it was such a, a formula movie in the sense they just wanted to capture the dysfunction. Yeah, it, it's a it's a slightly elevated Hallmark movie. It it, of, it sort of. is. It is the one thing I did like, and again, I don't want to give away the ending. If you uh, if you remember, Krampus anything. comes for all of them. Yeah. Yes, that's right, right, and, and rightly so. They all deserve it. But um, they did avoid a little bit of the cliche where all four parties just find a way to. You know, get in the same house and and sing, uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas together. Vaughn has a realization at the end of the film, um, and yeah, and, yeah. and he just doesn't want to be a certain type of person, and uh, kind of determines not to be. And it was that person didn't change, uh, who kind of inspired this. You know, was sort of the catalyst of it. Mm-hmm. So that it had a, a that's as close as you get to an unconventional twist. But it was better than Christmas with the Cranks. I, I, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I liked it better because I loved – I think we talked last year. I loved Grisham's book, Skipping Christmas, mm-hmm. better than I did the movie version, Christmas with a you know, uh, Crank. Yeah, right? I thought that was particularly kind of insipid, that, that I, movie. I did too. I did too. So, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that one out. Nice. Nice. Um, so uh, this next one, Christmas in Connecticut, another comedy one. Uh, Nathan, go ahead and take us through this one. So have you seen this? Have either one of you seen this? I've never seen it. Yeah. This, so it's I been many years one. and it, I, it going across the list. I was like, oh, I remember this movie. And it's actually been made twice. Once in like 1946, I think, with Barbara Stanwyck. And oh, okay. the main thing I remember, I've always remembered about this movie. The the plot is, again, simple and silly where she is this woman who is kind of through writing a, 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 a column or has presented herself as this sort of – domestic wonder this woman that you know uh can just handle christmas and all of his details and make the most wonderful meals and you know she's always giving advice and she ends up in this the reality is she is not married she doesn't live in this big grand house she lives in an apartment somewhere in the city and she gets stuck in this scenario where she's now going to have to entertain this i think he's an editor who's coming to her house who's got this publication and he brings with him this uh, veteran and they're coming for a big Christmas dinner and she's got to put on a ruse, obviously. Interesting. <laughs> she, she has to get a husband, which she doesn't really have. And she, she gets her uncle to teach her how to cook or he's cooking. He's the behind the scenes here. So she's got this ruse. It's a very simple idea for a comedy. What's interesting is the editor character, the guy who's coming to her house to check all this out is played by Sydney Greenstreet. Okay. Who you might remember is the big kind of hawking, uh, heavy set, bald character actor from a lot of movies like The Maltese Falcon, uh-huh. mm. and he was always the heavy kind of, yeah. and uh, no pun intended. And in this <laughs> yeah. movie, he's in a. It's I think it might be the only comedy he's ever done, and it's a it's a funny movie. I enjoyed it. It it's probably not quite in the the highest tier with some of the others, but it's it's one of the things that makes it interesting is that the movie plays a little bit with the fact that she starts to get romantically interested in the veteran character, but they're all kind of put off by her because they're like, you're hitting on me and you're a married woman. So she's, she's not a married woman. She's got this element to deal with where the, the guy that she's hired to pretend to be her husband, you know, nowadays that probably wouldn't get in the way of the story, but green street, and the other guy are kind of just put off by this, and they're they're wondering what the heck is going on. So she's got quite a muddle here to work through. Interesting. I think it's a cute movie. It's not – again, it's a movie that you kind of have to go into with a an open mind a little bit in terms of this is going to be silly. This is a comedy of errors that's almost disguising itself as a Christmas movie. Yeah. Hmm. So this came out uh, originally in 46. When did you say the remake was done? The remake was in 1992 with Diane Cannon and Chris Christopherson, directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was a TV movie. Oh, okay. Hmm. I gotta check this out, man. These gems. And I have, I don't, I feel like I saw it, but I don't remember much about it. Okay. 
The Chris Christopherson Christmas movie I remember was one a year earlier. I think it was called Miracle in the Wilderness. Okay. Where they, they tell the nativity story to a group of Native Americans who have kidnapped them in like yeah. uh, the 1600s. Not a classic, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but interesting to see if you ever come across it. Cool. Nice, nice. Um, so again, we uh, you know want to want to move along. Just a couple in each genre. So I'll uh, mildly to... derail us. I just have one that I didn't think to mention. Yeah, okay. And I don't know if you've both seen it. Not technically a movie, but did you guys see the the very Murray Christmas? Yes. The, uh, I know you did, Nathan. You're at my house. Yes. And watched it on you Christmas know what, Day. dude? I saw the and I wanted to watch. I saw the first half. And uh, I, I never went back to it, but I, I liked what I saw. So you guys tell me about that. I mean, I kind of loved it. It's just Murray doing his own kind of sarcastic version of a Christmas variety show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of very drunken Christmas yes, version. Yes. And you see all these faces you haven't seen in a while, like David Johansson, who yeah. remember used to be Buster Poindexter back in the day. Yeah. He was driving the cab in Scrooge. Yeah. He's, he shows up in there, and a lot of different faces. A very, very funny Chris Rock cameo. Yes, wow. yes, Chris I Rock. Hope it, <laughs> I hope they put it back on there because, to me, that would become a Christmas classic. Yeah, and that was a uh, that was a Netflix original, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I hope they put that back on there for uh, for the Christmas season. Yeah, um, because it was it was a good one, and uh, you get a lot of just funny interactions going on in this whole, you know, he's supposed to put on this huge Christmas production and because of a snowstorm, it more, more and more people back out. So it's these random people that he just keeps running into and he throws this thing together. So it, it was I'd say good. I, I even enjoyed the Miley Cyrus cameo. I mean, yeah. it was that, <laughs> oh they, my goodness. they handle things that well. <laughs> yeah. I remember Chris Rock. He kind of grabs off the street, yes. right? And he sees does, him and, and he yes. has a thing, uh, uh, do you hear what I hear? Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah, I'm, I got to go back and check that out. Yep. So awesome, awesome. Uh, so Christmas action movies. Um, one that I'd like to spend a little more time on, uh, Die Hard 1 and 2. Oh, baby. Uh, because we we talked about them, but I want to I And I thought you were going to say Reindeer Game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Affleck. <laughs> Dude, let me jump into Die Hard, man. Real yeah. quick. Just, and put it, just to tell you guys a little... Dutch or cultural history, 1988. Saw that movie because uh, that was the summer I graduated high school. Yep. I, I think it – I want to say it came out like in June or July, even though it was set on Christmas Eve. It actually came out in the summer, if I remember rightly. I think um, that's about right. Yeah, and I, I, I remember I'm sitting there. I watched it with a couple of friends, and it, it, we all loved it. But I got to tell you guys, I can tell you I was watching action movies from like 1982 when I was like 12 – <laughs> up through there and you know watching tv action movies and stuff loved all that stuff die hard it's kind of lost now because there have been so many movies made it was a to me a redefinition of the action genre it really was a, a game changer if it, you will. it yeah. was man a game changer. i remember watching this thing i was like nine i remember seeing it but yeah I <laughs> wow dude that man that dates it and I'm, I'm sitting there you know i'm 17 almost 18 years old at this time and I'm watching it, and to, to me, the scene that turned it, because you're thinking, I don't know, they just in a short time painted the impossible scenario. Mm -hmm. And I love that you just knew everything was going to happen within that, that skyscraper, that mm -hmm. tall uh, building. What was it called? The um, Mayaki building, whatever the guy's name was, the uh, Japanese-owned business. And uh, I'm watching this movie – and then you see Willis that kind of manages to get out of the danger zone for a while. But there's no chance he's going to take on this group of highly armed, incredibly specialist trained uh, terrorists. And uh, then, man, the scene that, that turned it for me, I felt like I'd never seen a movie like this, is when the elevator doors open. <laughs> and, and now I have a machine now, gun. Ho, 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 now I have a machine gun. <laughs> I remember watching like, whoa, man. Well, I just had never seen anything like that. The table turned. That's exactly where I was thinking too. Because yes. almost at that point, it almost in a weird way kind of becomes almost like a a horror stalker movie. It does. He's, <laughs> now he's kind of hunting them. He's effect. hunting them. It, yeah, they, they exactly. They turn the tables, and I was so taken by that movie, dudes. That uh, I that's one of the only movies I've ever watched in a the theater four times. Nice. I, I, I went back with like another group of friends like yep. three nights later because I had to see it again. And then I went back two other times. 
They don't because make I movies like. I mean, I hate to say that they don't make movies like they used to. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. when, when was the last time they released a recent movie that you felt compelled to go back to the theater and see again? Agreed. Like, Agreed. Lately, I've been more in. In, uh, the senator has been doing a lot of revivals. Like Nathan, and I went to go see Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm enjoying going back. And I saw the thing with Kurt Russell the other night. Yeah. Like, I'm enjoying more going back to those older movies. Die Hard would be another one. Um, I would yeah, love I mean, to see Die Hard on the big screen again. And oh, and Alan Rickman. I mean, oh yes, sad that he's gone, but he left a lot of great performances behind, and that's one of them. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And I don't know why. I always wanted to know. I bet uh, the magic of Wikipedia could tell us, right, guys, that. The, a, um, why they set it on Christmas Eve because um, it was released in the summer. And um, I don't know if that was a production change. They intended it to be a Christmas movie. But it almost, for me, made it more intriguing. You know, here, because you're like, what is this? What, what, you know, why is this set on Christmas? Um, and that was done a lot in the 80s, you know, if you think about it. Yeah. Even Lethal Weapon is technically around Christmas. That's too. true. That's true. And. So I think it gives it this sense where you're playing against some things. Like Die Hard is, you've got this this peace on earth setting, and it's just he goes buck in this like yeah. <laughs> this uh, tower. Batman Returns was the same way, like it a very was. dark weirdo movie about a bunch of freaks and misfits. Yes, set for no discernible reason at Christmas. Yes, yes, that's true. That's 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 very true, and I. I just, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, Die Hard doesn't count as a Christmas movie. To me, of course it does, man. They had the music at the beginning. They've got the music at the end. Don't they end with, uh, oh, the weather outside is frightful or something like that? And, you know, they show them kind of walking up. Of course, I love those movies when, um, you know, and that was a classic 80s thing too. I guess it still happens. One of these action movies where probably scores of people are killed, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, Millions and millions of dollars of damage done to downtown Los Angeles. Buildings, uh, helicopters that get blown up. And, you know, nobody knows really what's going on except the one black cop, uh, <laughs> Reginald, yeah. right? Who was just. Reginald, yeah. Yeah, yeah. on Family Matters and yep. the Twinkies thing. And, and it, you know, it was so good. And uh, here you you've give him got, credit though because he played that role right down the middle. He did exactly what was asked of him, but he adds a lot. He adds a lot. He does that. add a lot. He adds a lot of great little comic relief and the little touching story of his own uh, bad experience with the gun. But uh, here at the end, uh, you know, he he comes out and I, Lisa and I always laugh at movies like this, and it's almost like you know the rescue workers give him a blanket, uh, yeah. and then he's just going to go home. And I'm like, yeah, yeah or then enjoy a nice. Eggnog. Eggnog. Like, are there any questions? Does, are there any procedural happenings that need to unfold? Uh, you know, does he need yeah, to be interviewed? Doesn't, by- the, doesn't the military want to examine him? This guy just destroyed an entire <laughs> terrorist It's almost like, hey, he looks like a nice guy and his feet are bloody, so he must have survived uh, a lot of pain and misery. And it's just like he goes home, which yeah, Lisa always says, I yeah, mean, that's great. Unarguably, it's a Christmas movie. You know, peace on earth. There's a piece of someone on this part of the yeah. earth. There's another piece <laughs> over there. Pieces on earth. That would be a great subtitle for it. Yeah, fun yeah. movie, man. Uh, that's great. And then the follow-up, Die Hard 2. Yeah, that was uh, Christmas as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Even nuttier. Yes, yeah. it was. You know, and I have to say, not as good, but I still enjoy Die oh, Hard Oh, yeah. Too. You know. I liked them all up until, honestly, the last one. Yeah, so. the last one. What Was that in Germany or the UK? The one was I even kind of liked parts of A Good Day to Die Hard. Agreed, you know, I, agreed. I, it, was, it was a pale imitation, but it was still fun. I had I, I got zero out of that last movie. Agreed. That last movie was I, I'm surprised Willis even did it. It, yeah. was, it must have just cashed in. Willis is kind of a direct-to-video guy now, though. He really. is. Like, he is. What, he still has talent, but he doesn't – I mean, he, he and Nicolas Cage are racing to see what they can get on the uh, Netflix. John so, Cusack right behind. It's uh, so true, man. It's so true. Uh, and, yeah, Die Hard 2 was Christmas Eve as well. Yep. A year later because he's like, I can't believe this is happening right. again. And it was a little wink to the audience. Uh the bad guy in Die Hard 2 was was in some he he was no Alan Rickman. No. But but he was pretty brutal. Well, he was the uh he was the bad guy that was in Terminator 2. Was he the same guy? Yeah. The, he he kind of looked like him, square jawed. Yep. I thought that was a different dude. Wait, 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 wait. I think Die he's a different Hard dude. Two? Yeah, Die Hard 2. Yeah, the the villain in Die Hard 2. Hold on a second. Yeah, he's he's got the I'm really sure. square jaw. No, yeah, the guy in Die Hard 2 was uh um, 
William, what was it? Sadler, William Sadler. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Was it from the, the Shawshank Redemption, right? That's right. He oh, plays it? one of the sisters in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Sadler's not the sister. Sadler is uh, uh, his buddy. What's his name? Uh, Hayward. Uh, the, the guy who, you know, who. Uh, Who's sitting there going through the books? And he says, "Oh, it's the Count of Monte Cristo oh, by Alexander <laughs> Dumas." Um, yes, <laughs> you're exactly right. He mm. is that guy. Yeah, the the sisters were not. Yeah, he wasn't. Haywood, a, it's Shawshank Redemption. One of the guys who yeah. plays the sisters was in Aliens. Yeah, uh, okay. that's right. Colonel, the, the Marines and Aliens. But he does have a similarity, Nathan, to the bad guy in Terminator Two. The, to, the, to Robert Patrick. Yeah. Yes, yeah. They, they both kind of have that square jaw, that chiseled kind of military look yeah uh so yeah. I, I i could see why that you would uh bricklayer look <laughs> yes yeah. and and what 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 killed me was john amos uh who is the father yes. on, on good times is in die hard yes. too and he's he's a bad guy you know like not john amos yeah uh right. you know he's james from good times yes uh, <laughs> and, and then isn't william william atherton from ghostbusters was in there too right yeah he was in the, the that's right yeah because right. he was in the first one as well because yeah. there was the whole restraining order because that's, that's he, right, his yeah. wife punched yeah. him out He's, yeah 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 holly janeiro yeah uh, i don't think atherton ever Gennaro. plays a different character he was always that like guy <laughs> he nobody like she feel yeah. like his mom would come up and smack him. yes he would he was the jerkiest guy and he was so typecast but he's exactly what you want for that kind of movie yeah very cool <laughs> um so nathan wants you to go ahead and take one more action movie uh we got um three here we could talk about uh, midlight night clear three godfathers or tokyo godfathers which one you want to talk about Ooh. um let's go i'll uh, how about i just touch them both because midnight three godfathers tokyo godfathers is two versions of the same basic story okay uh i'll just kind of Mention this one because it's one more people may have seen. It's not really what I want to talk about. Three Godfathers was a movie with John Wayne, directed by John Ford, and it deals with three guys in the you know that classic uh, old west setting mm-hmm. who come across a scenario where there's a woman giving birth to a baby and she wants them. Her last request is for them to take care of it, and it becomes almost like a three wise men with this little baby and the and the mm. they start to realize that some of the characters that are one of, of these three and they're the rough tumble sort of no nonsense types that uh Harry Carey Jr is one of them too and John Wayne of course is the main character and they're trying to get this baby to New Jerusalem which is a kind of outpost town hmm. Interesting. and they are referencing the nativity story as they're on this journey and of course Wayne is the one who's just sort of rejecting it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. no, I, and at one point he's even reading the, the biblical description from the Bible and throws it down. And, and it starts to sort of replay itself there in front of him. Hmm. Uh, it's an interesting movie. I mean, I think if you uh, Wayne didn't have a lot of range, but what he did, he did well. And Ford probably got the best performances out of him. It's an interesting movie, particularly if you like old Western movies. But yeah. I'd say give it a try. Tokyo Godfathers is a Japanese animated version that replaces the three Wild West guys with down-and-out Japanese hobos. Oh, wow. And uh, it's a wild movie, too. I'd recommend them both. A Midnight Clear is a movie from 1992. Had a bunch of actors. Gary Sinise, Ethan wow. Hawke. Uh, and it involves... A bunch of soldiers during the Battle of the Bulge who end up in a scenario. Last year, I remember mentioned a movie, Joy Noel, that was about the uh, truce, you know, the ceasefire. Yes, yes, and this yes. is a very weird psychological story that almost has the feeling of a fable. It's a hmm. very good movie, a very underrated movie. And what happens to these guys come across German soldiers who are very young and inexperienced and have an older leader, and they realize that they too don't want to be fighting this fight. Hmm. But they don't want to ju- – the German soldiers are afraid of just surrendering because they're afraid of the fallout that will happen later after the war. So they want to set up a fake skirmish with the Americans so they can be taken hostage and there won't be any questions. And of course this doesn't quite go the way it's planned, but it's a very weird, almost surreal movie. Hmm. Uh, and, and and the Christmas isn't just a backdrop, kind of, I mean, in Die Hard and some of these movies, Christmas is just sort of the backdrop. There's a weird melancholy that kind of permeates it. But it's a very good movie. I, I think wow. you would be quite satisfied if you check it out. If you a go look Midnight it Clear, 1992. Yeah, don't not to be confused with, I think there was a Christian film, A Midnight Clear, from a few years ago in like okay. 2005 or something. Hmm. But okay. this is different. 
Very cool. Nice. Uh, so now we want to jump into um, Christmas fantasy, and we're kind of winding down on time here. So what I want to do real quick is talk about uh, two movies in the Christmas fantasy, um, and then we're going to go around and give uh, a movie that uh, maybe we didn't have a chance to recommend uh, to kind of finish things off. So Christmas fantasy or sci-fi, Edward Scissorhand. Nathan, talk to us about that one. Uh, it would now, you know, I feel like there's other movies on our list that are probably more appropriate. Edward Scissorhands, I guess, isn't technically a Christmas movie. There mm. is certainly a segment of the movie that takes place at Christmas. Yes. And you guys have both seen this movie, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, uh, Burton, of course, has found a way to get Christmas and Halloween into most of his movies. And of yes. course, he did The Nightmare Before Christmas, yep. which, which jammed them both together. We talked about last year. Edward Scissorhands, to me, is a weird movie because it feels like it captures all of the seasons in different ways at different points in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That opening when he first arrives in town has a very summer kind of feel with all the lawns are the same. But as the story goes on, I think it develops a really kind of it, – it culminates at Christmas time. But a combination of Danny Elfman's score and those scenes where Edward is just cutting the ice sculptures yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and that you see the flurries, I, it, there's just something very fairy tale and sort of magical about that. Yeah. That to me dovetails with me. Christmas has that feeling of wonder enchantment from a childlike perspective. And I love the scenes with Edward and Vincent Price, who yes. plays his creator. Yeah. Like those are some really touching. I think in some ways, some of the most interesting stuff Price has done. And I like Vincent Price. Yeah. But he was so frail. I mean, you just there's a lot of melon again, a melancholy, but a real I don't know. To me, Edward Scissorhands is probably like Burton's like that's the tip top for him. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is about that movie, but he captured something there. Yeah, and you think about it. Uh, what what fascinates me about that movie is it was uh, '80s Winona Ryder, uh, Johnny Depp, and they're still acting. <laughs> like honestly, it it just almost by because a lot you could probably name a bunch of actors from the '80s that aren't doing anything anymore. See mm. Thomas Howe. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a so the early man. '90s there. When, yes, uh, yeah, and that was some of their earlier work, uh, but. Uh, you know, and Alan Arkin was was. You oh, know, I Alan forgot Arkin Alan Arkin. Yeah. Diane Diane Weiss, she was so good in that movie. Yes. Like you felt like she had a real connection with him uh, as the mother who was trying to to care for him, who finds him there. Yes. Now, I, I, guys, I'm the worst. I'll just say this, and I don't mean to throw just like uh, you know cold water on this fire. I'm not a Burton fan. Uh, <laughs> I know. I mean, to me, you either like him or you don't. Mm-hmm. But. Although I will say of all the movies, are like certain movies, guys, and, and uh, honestly, it's just an immature, childish reaction. I feel like when I was a kid, I must have had like a horrible stomach virus and had horrible. You, uh, you, uh, do you remember as a kid you were sick and you would have those weird dreams when you were sick that were kind of <laughs> creepy? Yeah, like, and you're like, and you would wa- if you watched a movie or drank a specific thing. I yes. remember having a really bad fallout from Nestle Quick. I can't stand rabbits or chocolate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so it's like it, it it turns you off to it. Something about his um <clears throat> something about his um his whole uh world yeah. reminds me of those dreams for me. Yeah. It I, is. It's like a bad children's like dream trip. It, it is like a bad fever dream. And I can't get past it. Yeah. For me, every time I, I see love- it about him <laughs> yes which which i agree you either love but it or you don't lost his edge i like 80s tim burton i'm not a fan of my i loved ed wood and i think most of everything else after that i was not a big fan of yeah yeah i mean he's and obviously he and johnny depp are you know you know like peanut butter and jelly right i mean he's yeah. always going to use yeah. empty stuff um, to me i think it's kind of the light version. The other movie I had on this list was the movie Brazil from the 80s. Did you ever see that? Remember, no. but I did not see it. So Terry Gilliam, who used to be with Monty Python, yeah. I feel who, who did 12 Monkeys and he did uh, Time Bandits and, and, and Adventures of Bear Moonchild and a couple other movies. He did Brazil, which was a big uto- – like a dystopian like 1984 kind of story set at Christmas time that had a lot of weird trippy imagery. I feel like Burton is like the kid light version of, of that. Hmm. Interesting. Nice. So the other one that we'll talk about, uh, this is another Tim Burton one, uh, Batman Returns. Um, now, Greg, have you seen the original Batman movies with Michael Keaton? Jack yes. Nicholson? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. This town needs an enemy, yeah. remember? Absolutely. Now, what did you think about those <laughs> movies? Uh, love the first one. Yeah. Uh, and I think I like the second one, too. I like that it was the first two that had Keaton. 
Yes. And then who yeah. did they go with? Was it Kilmer? Val Kilmer. Kilmer and, and, then, then Clooney. and then Clooney. Yep. Uh, that's there's just some shark jumping in some of those later movies. Oh, those were train wrecks. <laughs> yeah, the Clooney <laughs> one in particular you, you was can say so it, those bad. Those were train wrecks. Yeah. They were so bad. But I loved the first one. I loved the um, feel of it. I mean, it was dark and, and stuff. But of course, everybody. T- I mean, Nicholson was terrific yes. as the Joker. I I still I know as, it's almost as anathema. Nicholson as the Joker. Yes, yes. yes. And I still. I, I mean, I liked Heath Ledger's performance. Mm-hmm. I like Nicholson's better, but I'm mm-hmm. kind of in the minority on that view. Uh, and since I still haven't seen all of Suicide Squad, I can't really comment on Jared Leto. Um, <laughs> no, not necessary. I think he himself didn't have high, high things to say. Okay, it gotcha. Wasn't, wasn't terrible, but yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It's not in the remote ballpark. Yeah, yeah. So I did love. So was the first one set at Christmas? It was not. Um, that oh, one, oh, yeah, yeah, Batman the, Returns. Yeah, the first one was a, a more generic winter time. It wasn't specified. And, and I, remember, I don't even yeah. think it was winter. The hard, the weird thing about Burton, those early Burton movies, particularly Batman, it didn't feel like Gotham City existed in anything but in a world full of night. You know, yes. later on in the 90s, they made a movie called Dark City where the plot involved why these weird worlds look like they're always at night. But Hmm. I, it was an odd choice to make Batman Returns occur at Christmas because I never got the concept of if seasons even happening in Gotham City. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like they like, and this might be what kind of that jives some people the wrong way about Burton. He creates worlds so artificial, you're supposed to acknowledge they're artificial, right? You know, right? Like uh, Edward Scissorhands. That's I'm just looking at a set. Like I'm the Castle on the Hill, and that yeah. they don't look like real police places. These don't feel like real people. It's like a child's weird exaggeration or caricature of what a person or a place is supposed to be. Agreed. So it was a weird choice to make Batman Returns take place at Christmas because I never ever thought of Gotham City having a Christmas in the Burton universe. Yeah, that's 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 a really good point. I forgot that the second one was a Christmas one. Yeah, it definitely seems like Nolan could have pulled off a, a Christmas. Uh, his world seemed more tied to our own yeah. um, than the... Um, than, than the Burton one did. but Though I will say I did like Batman Returns better because to me, Batman and Batman Returns, none of the early Batman movies felt like Batman of the comic books that I was familiar with. So when Burton right. just went further into his own world, I accepted Batman Returns as a weird movie about outcasts at Christmas time. Yeah, and I just, right, in a way, right. just completely huh. left the Batman stuff on the side. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so just to uh, kind of wind us down here, um, just go around. And uh, one movie that you guys would recommend that we didn't uh, talk about, um, didn't get to. Nathan, start us off, man. Okay. You know, there is a movie that I want that I plan to talk about here that I actually saw after we convened the first time that I had never seen before. And I don't know if anyone has. And one thing I want to say about it off the bat is – you know, in in all this review and when we went back and I had our first episode, I think one of the things we kept coming to is that Christmas movies particularly, they seem to exist. They really have flourished in the world of TV. You know, mm, like we talk yes. about going to the movies and seeing these movies. And, yeah, movies like Die Hard where there's the back setting. But a lot of Christmas movies, we pointed out how Christmas – Story was not a hit when it came out. You True. Know, yep. That it in vacation, Christmas vacation, gained their audiences on television. Yes, no doubt. Uh, there are, when I was going back through this, I realized how many of these movies are actually TV movies, some of these things that we, we still watch and enjoy. And there's a movie I had never seen before until last year. My aunt and uncle made me aware of it. Have you ever heard of An American Christmas Carol from 1979? Henry wow. Winkler played the role – that would have been Ebenezer Scrooge, but it was a different character's name. No. And it, it was moved, and he was in old he was in old man makeup. Yeah. Uh, this is Henry Winkler, and, and this is him coming off just a few years after, you know, Fonzie, you just mentioned right. jumping the shark, literally jumped the shark. Yeah. And this was like a role for him where he, he's actually pretty good in it. And there's a couple things that distinguish it that I would recommend. It used to be on Amazon Prime, and it may be again come Christmas. I'd recommend seeing it. It moves the story to like New England Great Depression era. Mm. And it really it here's the one thing that's almost true about all the most of the Scrooge movies that are out there. They almost all follow Dickens's language or they they take his language, either replicate it or they kind of, uh, you know, simplify it and still use his basic terms and languages and lines you can always expect to hear things like you know 
you know, humanity was my business or mankind was my business. Things mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. lines from the from the story. And we're always going to have a ghostly death figure that's the ghost of Christmas future. We're always going to have the big happy burly christmas present and then the you know usually it's a female ghost of christmas past yes this movie is strange because we last time we talked about how it's weird you know there's some people want to lay a spiritual dimension on a christmas carol and yet we it seems like dickens is primarily concerned with its humanist element sure and this story moves the scrooge character where he is a guy who is an industrialist who wants to he he, he is a hard tack but he has reasons for being a hard tack and they play that pragmatically. But when the ghosts come to visit him, every last one of them is played by somebody that he has spurned in his life. Wow. They see him spurning and it's sort of like they represent the people he's oppressing in ways Ooh. and they show up in different forms. And it's a, it's a pretty touching movie because it tries to stand as a story and not just coast on the Christmas Carol elements. I'd say it's really good for what you're you're getting. I mean, as a TV movie, the makeup is a little. I mean, it's good, but it's you know, it's not amazing. Uh, with a guy who did um, uh, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button worked on the special effects here. This is many years earlier, yeah. So he did the makeup, but I'd say it's worth watching. And I think Winkler did a great I'm job. I'm gonna check. And 1979. It, I believe so, and it, wow. it really re- it, it reduces the the ghost being creepy, but it, in a way it retains the morality and structure of a ghost story. I, I loved it. I was so surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Hmm. Interesting. Fascinating. Greg? Uh, th- those are great. I, I, I've written a bunch of these down tonight, Nathan, and I'm going to add to my little list here in the next uh, short viewing season. Um, this is, I'm going to cheat a little bit because we've mentioned some TV. Uh, I would recommend this for families looking for clean, funny Kind of at times, just nice Christmassy feel sitcoms. Mm-hmm. What we do, uh, we we haven't watched the show regularly for the last year or two. We, we were kind of piecemeal. We watched the show The Middle, yes. Uh, you know, with Patricia Heaton yep. and the the dude who was uh, the Neil janitor Flynn, on Scrubs. Yeah. Yes, yes, Flynn. Uh, their Christmas episodes are great, and they're easy to find if you go to Apple TV. All you got to do is like it'll say Christmas One. Mm-hmm. Or Christmas Two, or they're just called their Christmas episodes. So what I love about it, and I think this is true. Some sitcoms, uh, like from the seventies and eighties, I remember watching, might do one or two Christmas episodes. Yeah, but it was kind of like if you were on five, six, seven years, you didn't do one every year. Mm-hmm. But they do one every year. So I, I tend to think I might be wrong that in the writers' room they are saying, "Hey, what are we going to do for our Christmas episode this year?" Yeah. Um, some are better than others. They're all good. But they have a character on there named um, Reverend Tim Tom. Yes. Have you ever seen him? <laughs> yes. He yeah. is the – he's like this hippie. It's weird because at times he kind of gives minimal gospel. Right. Um, yeah. But, very minimal. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, very much so. But he's a funny character. He's quirky. They actually parody some of the quirky guitar-playing youth pastor yeah. uh, pictures <laughs> that you might have in your mind. And so we every year we have a couple of favorites uh, that the kids we watch over and over again. We kind of treat them like the Charlie Brown specials. We, nice. I think the middle maybe season three had a great Christmas ap- um, uh, Christmas episode where Axel moves into the garage, and there's just this hilarious scene where anybody like has anybody seen Axel? And they show him looking like an old man in this robe. He's drinking eggnog. He's decorated the entire garage in this Christmassy feel. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's this great little Christmas song, like a Bing Crosby type song, playing. And it's really good. So I would say if you're looking for something pretty clean, pretty good, those Christmas middle episodes are very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, that's one of Joy and my favorite things to do is go back and, you know, there are several. We just we're, – we're big fans of TV series and so sure. we'll go I back – and this is our pop culture ninja episode right here. TV Christmas TV specials. Yes, a, a ton are coming to mind. Yes, first of all, all the darker ones for me. You know, <laughs> yes. Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> yeah, and nice. Supernatural. Yes, uh, yes. The, the Black Adder Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. Uh, we'll we'll do that, Nathan. So I won't I won't spoil too many. I but like it. Um, okay. But uh, you know, one of the ones that we love doing is going back and watching the Mash ones. Yeah, Mash did yeah. several yeah, Christmas they did. ones. And, they did do so a lot of we'll Christmas go, ones. 
back and watch those. But um, the movie I was going to say is um, the original, not the remake, but the original We're No Angels, 1955, Humphrey mm-hmm. Bogart, P- Peter oh, Ustinov. Good choice. Is that a Christmas movie? It's Yeah, well, I mean, it takes place at Close Christmas. Okay. Well, it takes place on yeah. Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, they escape from prison. They're at Devil's Island, so there's no real – um, you know, there's no real Christmas feel in terms of snow and things like that, but it is set on Christmas Eve and it's just such a great comedy. It's, you know, the essential plot, these three criminals, um, escape from prison and they get, uh, entangled into this family who is, uh, basically on the verge of, of bankruptcy. And they have this mean, nasty uncle who's coming into town and, uh, is going to, you know, put them out and make sure that, you know, all the affairs are put together. And these three criminals who are intending to kill the family and escape end up, you know, really just falling in love with the family and taking care of them. Mm. Um, and it it is a great comedy. It's it doesn't again it doesn't have like that Christmas feel, but it does take place at Christmas time. Um, and it's a completely different movie, yes. than the remake. Yes, interesting. I I was not a fan of the remake. This one. I- um, the remake was more slapsticky. Really. Yes, it was, and this was just very the the comedy in it was very clever. You know, I mean, Humphrey Bogart is in one scene talking to his uh, three friends, and they've just finished having this Christmas dinner, and they realize that they're having feelings, but you know, Humphrey Bogart is you know, holding out till the end. No, we're, you know, so, you know, he's sitting there saying, you know, we're going to cut their throats in their sleep and chop them up and, you know, all these horrible <laughs> things. And then he says, but first we're going to go do the dishes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could, you could pair this very easily with three, with three Godfathers. I think I'd have a good time. That's a, that's a very good movie. Uh, we're no angels. Yeah. So that, that would be, uh, that would be my recommendation for, uh, for a Christmas movie if anyone hasn't seen it. So good call. All right. Well, we're uh, guys. This has been awesome. So much fun, man. Um, you know, I think we did a good job about not doing any repeats. And I think again, the nice thing about what we did last year is we just threw so many movies yep. against the wall that you know maybe in the future we can go back and really take some time I and analyze that. You could, some you could of pick them. Pick two or three and really squeeze yeah. them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, guys, we're going to go ahead and uh, sign off. We just rocked the Casbah, and we'll catch y'all later. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho ho. You finished listening to Nathan, Greg, and myself talk about Christmas movies. Hope you all enjoyed it. We're getting ready to kind of wind things down for the season, but we do have some winners from our Zach Bartles podcast. Uh, He was on from Gut Check Press, so really appreciated him being on. And what we have here is six winners total. So we have three from our iTunes reviews. Thunder Chaz. Thunder Chaz wrote some great things about us. Kaylee Crawley and Mathter Mitchell. So Thunder Chaz, Kaylee Crawley, and Mathter Mitchell are our three winners from our iTunes uh, side of the competition. And then we had our retweets, Reason Righteousness, Courtney Lott, and Clayton. Reason Righteousness, Courtney Lott, and Clayton were our Twitter responses. So again, Thunder Chaz, Kaylee Crawley, Mathter Mitchell, you three won the latest book from Zach Bartles, God Yes Rest Ye Motor City. And we have Reason Righteous, Courtney Lott, and Clayton from Twitter. So thanks guys for participating. Hope you all enjoyed it and we'll catch you in the new year. Really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wayne?